0: Welcome in to OutKick the show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having fantastic Wednesdays. Had to think there for a minute to make sure I got the day right, uh, wherever you may be across the country or around the world. Thank you for hanging out with me for at least part of the show here on OutKick. A little bit of uh, housekeeping. We're doing our NFL wildcard preview gambling show. Kelly Stewart and I, a.k.a. Kelly in Vegas on Twitter Uh, That will be up a little bit later this afternoon. I'm taping it as soon as I finish this show today. I'll also be hopping on uh, with uh, the hot mic guys, Chad Hutton, Chad Hutton, uh, Chad Withrow and Jonathan Hutton a little bit later in the day. All of that still to come. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us. We got a bunch of cool topics, I think, uh, to dive into. Uh, But right off the top, you may not have even seen this story yet. Pete Carroll is out as the Seattle Seahawks coach. And I want to read the statement that was just put out uh, a little bit ago. After thoughtful meetings and careful consideration for the best interest of the franchise, we have amicably agreed with Pete Carroll that his role will evolve from head coach to remain with the organization as an advisor. Uh, Pete is the winningest coach in Seahawks history, brought the city its first Super Bowl title, and created a tremendous impact over the past 14 years on the field and in the community. His expertise and leadership and building a championship culture will continue as an integral part of the organization moving forward. Pete will always be a beloved member uh, of the Seahawks family. So Pete Carroll is one of only a handful of coaches that has ever won a Super Bowl and a national championship. He was the head coach of the Dynasty at USC, Reggie Bush, Matt Leinart, uh, Lindell White, that entire universe of success there. And then he went to the NFL, won one Super Bowl, narrowly missed winning a second Super Bowl with Russell Wilson. I believe I am correct in this. Jimmy Johnson, who won with Miami and the Cowboys, Barry Switzer, who won with the Cowboys, and also with the uh, uh, Oklahoma Sooners, and Pete Carroll with USC and Seattle. This is where I need fact checkers here in studio with me. I believe there are only three head coaches that have ever won national championships in college football and in the NFL. So whatever you believe of Pete Carroll's legacy... He is an incredibly elite territory, having managed those three things as virtually no one else in the history of football has done. To have the level of success in the NFL and in college football that he's had, maybe Jim Harbaugh will go to the NFL and end up winning a national championship. Harbaugh obviously has taken a team to the Super Bowl with what he did with the 49ers when he coached against his brother, I believe, in the 2013 Super Bowl against the 49ers against the Ravens down in New Orleans. Um, But I believe I'm correct. The people who are watching this, correct me if I'm wrong, text me if there's another coach that I'm forgetting off the top of my head uh, that has won a national championship as well as a Super Bowl. It is very rare territory to be in. As a result, Pete Carroll is one of the greatest football coaches ever because he has accomplished something that almost no one else has been able to do. Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, Pete Carroll, I believe that's the entirety of winning a national championship and winning a Super Bowl as a head coach. Again, it's possible that I'm forgetting somebody off the top of my head, but that to me is the primary legacy of Pete Carroll, and he narrowly avoided – winning a second straight Super Bowl when, to be fair, he chose not to give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson threw the interception uh, at the goal line uh, in the Super Bowl that the Patriots would go on to win. I believe that was a first-and-goal situation in that particular game, which I believe was played out in San Francisco. I've traveled to a lot of Super Bowl locations over the years, as I recollect Uh, that was that location. Uh, for uh, Pete Carroll so he is out there are now unless somebody else has gotten fired while I'm talking to you we're still waiting on what's going to happen with Bill Belichick there are now seven head coach openings in the NFL we will see how all of those end up shaking out now <clears throat> I am not an expert on the Pat McAfee show uh, in fact I know relatively small amounts about the Pat McAfee show at all. Um, But I um, watched the interview in totality that he did with Aaron Rodgers yesterday that had left-wing sports media losing their minds. And I'll talk about the latest development on this in a moment. But I actually applaud Aaron Rodgers for sticking to his guns and saying everything that he did Um, because I watched it. Now, you can argue, oh, this should never air on ESPN. Oh, my goodness, how dare you? I would say that Aaron Rodgers didn't choose for COVID to be an issue in the NFL. All of the crazy COVID people made it an issue, and Aaron Rodgers, just sticking to his guns, he said a lot of things that I agree with that I think are true. Um, and we talked about this some yesterday, uh, but Pat McAfee this morning said that, uh, that Aaron Rodgers is finished and will no longer appear on ESPN for this season. Uh, a lot of people said that usually Aaron Rodgers always leaves the show once the NFL regular season is over. However, and I'm reading from OutKick, our own Dan Zaschewski, whose name I probably just screwed up, but uh, I'm reading directly from him. Uh, According to Dan, I went back and looked at the archive shows from last year. Rodgers appeared on the Pat McAfee show through the Tuesday after the Super Bowl last year. Uh, Dan also says he also appeared, as far as I could tell, every Tuesday, through last year's postseason. This is the fourth year that he has been on. Uh, During the 2021-22 playoffs, Rodgers appeared until January 25th, um, and a similar situation when he appeared until January the 26th, the prior year. So the point on that is that it appears Aaron Rodgers is being taken off of the Pat McAfee show earlier than he ordinarily would in the wake of what some labeled to be a controversial uh, interview that aired yesterday on ESPN. So who made that choice? I think that is a very interesting decision. Pat McAfee says it was his choice. Is that true? I hope it was. Because my position is, if you do a show and you allow anyone to dictate to you who can and cannot appear as a guest on your show, you don't do that show anymore. You are acting at the behest of your boss as opposed to doing the show that you want to do. I didn't see anything wrong with anything that Aaron Rodgers said. And I hope that this is not a situation of ESPN deciding they have to cancel him because they don't like the stories and the opinions that he was sharing. So... Uh, This is a story that I think is worth following. Again, OutKick has a story up about this, that this is not usually the case, that Aaron Rodgers has stayed on the show past years into the playoffs and even some years through the playoffs. And, again, if Aaron Rodgers were saying Dr. Fauci is a hero, go get your eighth booster shot, I don't think the sports media would have any issues with him at all. And I don't have any issues with any of the things. I watched the whole thing for myself because I wanted to see it. Uh, I don't have any, any issue with any of the things that Aaron Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show yesterday. Uh, okay, speaking of, so that is an update on that story. Uh, speaking of the COVID situation and lunatics on the left who still have not allowed their brains to heal – post-COVID. This is a story that I think should be getting even more attention than it is. Uh, Howard Stern, and let me take a step back on Aaron Rodgers. There is a clear attempt, Aaron Rodgers is correct about this, there is a clear attempt to keep Aaron Rodgers from being able to go on shows and say whatever he wants because people don't like what he is saying. So let me make a public invitation here. In the event, Aaron, that you are getting canceled, OutKick will gladly have you on any of our shows. I'd be happy to talk with you weekly, sit down, talk about any subject under the sun, uh, and you can say anything because we believe in the free speech here and free speech here at OutKick. Similarly, if you want to go on the biggest radio show in the country, you can go on the Clay Travis Buck Sexton show And we'll have you on to talk about everything under the sun that you want to talk about as well. So making that offer. Because what has happened is the left-wing sports media has decided that Aaron Rodgers is public enemy number one. And you can see them lining up and making their regular argument, which is, how dare ESPN platform? That's the word they like to use. How dare ESPN platform Aaron Rodgers? I mean, they're a sports network, and Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the NFL. And the segment, I saw the ratings, I believe is like the highest-rated day of the Pat McAfee show everywhere, anywhere, was the Aaron Rodgers interview yesterday. So they're a sports network. Aaron Rodgers brings big ratings. What am I missing here, right? Like, ultimately we all serve at the behest of ratings. I just signed on for two more years of Clay Travis Buck Sexton show. 2024, 2025. Do you know why? Because the show's doing really well. Before that, I did Sports Talk Radio in Nashville. Show did really well. Kept getting paid more money. Ratings continued to grow. I left. I went to Fox Sports Radio. Show did really well. Audience grew. Made more money. Now we're at Clay and Buck. Audience is growing. Really good growth trajectory overall. Everybody who works in entertainment serves at the behest of their audience. If you grow audience, you make more money. If you decrease audience, you make less money. Number one rule of anybody who works in media. So if Aaron Rodgers is a star football player, which he is, and he goes on as a guest on ESPN and says interesting things, which he does that people want to hear, that they tune in for, I think it's a bad business decision to move away from Aaron Rodgers. And I'll put my opinion out there. Aaron, we're happy to have you at OutKick. We're happy to have you at Clay and Buck if ESPN has decided that you are no longer able to be a guest. By the way, ESPN said that about me. I used to go on some ESPN shows. The ESPN bosses put out the word Clay Travis is banned at ESPN. And so I'll give you an example. Paul Feinbaum isn't allowed to have me as a guest. So ESPN said, you cannot go on anymore as a guest on the Paul Feinbaum show. They banned me. Uh, And and so I don't go on. I'd go on Paul's show otherwise. Uh, I would go on other ESPN shows. They decided that what I was saying they didn't like, and they wouldn't allow me to speak on their network, and so they banned me. I don't know how many other people are banned. Maybe Aaron Rodgers is about to join the ban team. I think I'm the only person in America who was banned from both CNN, after I said the First Amendment and boobs, and also banned at ESPN. I've never banned anyone from appearing on any OutKick show. ESPN banned all of their employees from being able to appear on my show back in the day when I did Fox Sports Radio. They said, no, you cannot appear on Clay Travis's show. Some people said, screw it, I'll do it anyway. Uh, Others said, I'm worried about my job, which I understand, and they stopped appearing. So my point to Aaron Rodgers with all of that is we don't ban guests. We will allow you to come on any OutKick program and give us any opinion under the sun that you want. It will be well-distributed, well-discussed. That offer is out there. Uh, So Howard Stern. I want to talk about Howard Stern for a minute because I I think this is important. Howard Stern, alongside of Rush Limbaugh, is one of the two most legendary uh, radio people of the late 20th, early 21st century. No one out there in the last 40 years has had more impact on radio than Howard Stern and Rush Limbaugh. I feel incredibly honored to get to sit in front of the so-called, because uh, not we don't not actually gold, the golden microphone and continue Russia's legacy with Buck. Howard Stern is still on the air. Uh, Howard Stern used to be, he's a little bit like Mark Cuban. He used to be a rebel who challenged conventional wisdom and was willing to risk his career to say what he believed to be truthful statements, funny statements, even if they might violate uh, the, the general rules of radio. FCC regulations, probably nobody's been investigated more than Howard Stern's. Somewhere along the way, and really the pivot became aggressive when Donald Trump became president of the United States, Howard Stern's brain broke, and then it got worse during COVID. Howard Stern is probably worth five six 600000000 million. That might be low. He might be a billionaire. I mean that honestly. When you look at what he got paid to move to satellite radio, uh, when you look at the longevity of his career, books that he's written, movies that have been made, Howard Stern might be a billionaire. Certainly he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He has more money than he could ever spend. He lives in New York City in some sort of luxury uh, condo, high-rise, whatever it is. COVID so terrified him that basically he hasn't lived his life normally for four years now. COVID first really kind of took root. It's crazy to think about four years ago in February of 2020. Four years later, Howard Stern missed an entire week of work last week with uh, his show on satellite radio because he got COVID. He tested positive for COVID. Now, Howard Stern has gotten around eight COVID shots if he is being honest with his audience and he has gotten every COVID shot plus the recommended boosters. He still wears a mask everywhere that he goes. And he did a whole segment on his radio show this week talking about how in the world did he get COVID despite the fact that he's gotten eight COVID shots and he still wears his mask everywhere. And remember, he's so wealthy that he can afford to have basically a pristine home environment and he can have servants come to him, right? If you are super wealthy, you don't have to leave your apartment if you don't want to. In New York City, you can get pretty much anywhere in the country almost now. You can get all your meals brought to you. You can have your life catered to based on your wealth, based on how wealthy Howard Stern is. Yet despite all of that, he's still got COVID. If Howard Stern were an honest person and he were still being honest with his audience, if he were still being authentic, this would be a moment where he would go on and he would have a real uh, crisis of confidence associated with the decisions he made. Think about this. If you got eight shots for years to try to protect you from... COVID, and then you wore your mask everywhere and you almost ceased normal human interaction with anyone. And you still got COVID despite all of those precautions. And you had COVID bad enough that you needed to miss a full week of work. Hey, Clay Travis right here. I'll kick the show is dominating. We'll continue into roll more coming back in a moment. But first this wouldn't an honest person have a moment of reflection and say, wait a minute, what did I get wrong here? I gave up four years of my life. I've been wearing a mask everywhere for four years in the limited events when I have gotten out. I've been insisting that everybody around me take COVID tests. I've been Lysol wiping everything that comes into the house like crazy. I have been a insane germaphobe if all of that were true you got eight shots you did everything in your power to avoid getting COVID and you were still wearing masks you limited all your interaction with everyone you insisted that everybody around you get COVID tested and you still got COVID wouldn't you feel like you had been duped for most of our lives If I told you, hey, get eight shots for something to protect you from a virus and you still got the virus and missed a week of work, wouldn't you be like, wait a minute, maybe this shot didn't work that well? I would submit this to you. There has never been a consumer product in my life that I'm aware of that has engaged in greater fraud than Pfizer and Moderna over their COVID shots. Because remember what they told us initially. If you get this shot, you will neither get nor spread COVID. It ends with you. Now the new story is, if you get eight shots, the original COVID shots plus like a booster every six months or whatever the heck the storyline is, you can still get COVID. If I gave you eight shots to keep you from getting the measles and you still got the measles, what do you be like, boy, that measles shot is worthless. If I gave you eight shots and I said, hey, this is going to guarantee that you will not get chicken pox And then you still got chicken pox. Wouldn't you be like, man, that chicken pox shot, that that measles shot, that mum shot, that really didn't make a lot of sense. It didn't work at all. That's the way we talked about vaccination before COVID. Now people say, well, yeah, I got the eight shots and I wore the masks and I restricted my interaction with people, but I would have died if I hadn't gotten all these COVID shots. I would submit to you the answer is no, you wouldn't have. You're probably going to get COVID anyway. You probably had it, didn't even know you had it. But also, maybe, and Alex Berenson's been talking about this, the evidence might suggest that the more COVID shots you get, actually the more susceptible you are to getting COVID. It's not just that the shots don't keep you from getting COVID. There is evidence that in some people, the more COVID shots you get, the more likely you are to get COVID. It's not just that the shot doesn't work. It actually, in some people, makes you more susceptible to COVID than you would have been if you'd never done anything at all in the first place. But if you were just honest with your audience, wouldn't you engage in just a little bit of critical thinking and wonder whether you might have been sold a bill of goods If you were Howard Stern, you got eight shots. You restricted your access to as many people as you could. You wore masks everywhere for four years. You still got COVID. You had no idea how you got it. And it still gave you enough of an issue that you weren't able to work for a week. An honest person in media would have that reflection and would have that discussion with his audience. That's all I'll say. Okay, this is a big news story. Uh, I got a bunch of stories, actually. Sorry, Kelly in Vegas waiting Uh, If if you want to take like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, I'll be with you in a minute, Kelly, if you can hear me, uh, because I still got like three big stories to hit here. Um, This Trump Georgia case, Fannie Willis, who is the Fulton County District Attorney, is accused of breaking up the marriage of one of her top assistants that was helping to put together the case to prosecute Donald Trump. This story is only just beginning, but it is reported and alleged that she paid $650,000 to her lover, broke up his marriage, and never got the required authorization to be able to spend taxpayer dollars, $650,000 worth, on this guy who now is her boyfriend, and that also he paid for vacations that they took. So they were giving taxpayer dollars to her boyfriend, undisclosed relationship. The woman who was married to this man has evidently accused her of breaking up their marriage. So she broke up a marriage, allegedly. She paid $650,000 to her lover. She took extravagant vacations with him, using the dollars that she paid him to conduct an investigation of Donald Trump, didn't have proper authority. And oh, by the way, there is evidence in his billing records that there were meetings with the White House at the White House potentially involved in the charges against Donald Trump. This whole Atlanta Donald Trump case is on the edge of potentially blowing up And Fannie Willis herself may have actually engaged in criminal behavior in her pursuit of Donald Trump for alleged criminal behavior. That's a rough outline of where we are. But this story could be a blockbuster that it feels like we're still in the early innings of developing. I just want to make you all aware of what's going on there. Uh, Okay, Detroit News. Uh, Congratulations, Michigan Wolverines, champions. The Detroit News has a poll up that came out yesterday afternoon. Uh, And it says, and I'm reading directly from it. So background, Detroit News, big newspaper, not surprisingly, Detroit area. They've been polling Donald Trump statewide since 2016. That's like, what is that? Seven years of polls, eight years of polls, whatever it is. Never in the history of the Detroit News poll Has Donald Trump had a lead in the state of Michigan? Now, remember Trump, I think won Michigan by like 10,000 votes back in 2016. It was super close. Lost by over 100,000 votes. Still close in 2020. But never in the history of the Detroit News poll has Trump ever had a lead. Until yesterday. Trump has opened up an eight-point lead on Joe Biden. And when you add in third-party candidates, Trump actually has a 12-point lead. Of all of the polls that have come out, this is the most devastating poll that I have seen for Joe Biden, this is a Detroit News poll. 77% of Michiganders don't want Joe Biden to run for reelection. Only 17% of people in Michigan want Joe Biden to run. Okay, this is important. And if you're out there and you're saying, well, this is a biased poll, this is just broken, they actually polled Donald Trump against Gretchen Whitmer, and Gretchen Whitmer was up four points on Donald Trump, 49 to 45. So, what does this tell us? The story of the 2024 election so far is not Donald Trump at all. It's Joe Biden and his frailty. People may not like Trump, but they have decided that Joe Biden can't do the job. This is why I would say Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, Vivek Ramaswamy, it doesn't matter who the nominee is. If Joe Biden is the nominee, and I don't think he is going to be the nominee, if Joe Biden is the nominee, he's going to lose in 2024. Now, I think what's going to happen, and this Detroit News poll is pretty extraordinary in that respect. Again, Trump's never had a lead before. Now he's suddenly up eight points 12 when you consider third-party candidates, and there are going to be a lot of third-party candidates. Now, I think what's going to happen is Democrats are going to run their game plan of abortion and democracy at stake all the way through this rest of winter, through the spring, into the early days of the summer. And if Joe Biden's poll numbers are not getting better, I think they're going to pull the ripcord at the Democrat National Convention and I think they're going to put forward Michelle Obama as their candidate. That's my uh, expectation. Now, I thought this was interesting, too. They polled not only on, you know, who's going to win head-to-head Biden versus Trump. They also polled and said, what issue is going to most influence your vote? Top answer, jobs and the economy. Second, border and uh, in immigration. Uh, sorry, Uh, Second most frequent, border and immigration. Third was inflation and cost of living. Those are the three biggest issues out there. Three biggest, however you want to do it, like this or like the Europeans. Three biggest issues. All of those issues, Trump beats Biden on. People trust Trump more on jobs and the economy, more on the border and immigration, and more on inflation and cost of living. Biden is making a focal point of his election. Oh, we've got to protect democracy. Only 4% of voters care about that the most. This is falling flat. Foreign policy, 7%. Also another Trump issue. Abortion and women rights, only 5%. Remember, Michigan's already had, in 2022, a referendum to protect abortion rights in the state of Michigan. So that's not going to work in Michigan. Biden's got the Arab-Israeli conflict, which is hurting him because he won both Arab and uh, and Jewish voters. And now he's not winning by that same margin. Biden's in trouble. And I think Biden, if the election were today and we're 10 months from the election, if the election were today, I think Trump would win comfortably. I think Ron DeSantis would win. I think Nikki Haley would win. I think that Vivek Ramaswamy would win. Because the story right now is not Biden. It's Trump's, uh, it's Biden's, sorry, it's all Biden. It's not Trump. It's Biden's frailty. And the fact that most people don't think he can do the job. Again, 77% of Michiganders don't think he should run. Uh, All right, finally. Five days till Iowa. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I think Trump's going to win. I think DeSantis is going to be second. I think Nikki Haley is going to be third. I think Vivek Ramaswamy is going to be fourth. That's my prediction. But I understand if all of you out there can no longer trust me. You say, what do you mean, Clay? I have to confess. Last night, college football's over. Wife says, hey, do you want to watch the crown? Getting ready for bed. Get into bed. The Crown Season 6. It airs on Netflix. If you haven't already watched it. Or if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Congratulations. You're a bigger man than I am. But. Crown's a really good show. Episode 3 and Episode 4. Spoiler alert. Princess Diana. Dies. With Dodi Fayed in the crash in Paris. Happened back in 1997. Spoiler alert anyway. As they then have the death, episode three and episode four deals with the death of Princess Di. I have to confess, I started crying during episode three and episode four to such an extent that at the end of episode four, I said to my wife, I can't watch anymore. I said, I can't watch, I'm too, I'm emotionally distraught over the death of Princess Di. There were two moments that just got me. One, Prince Charles elects not to wake wake up Harry and William when he finds out that Di has died because, and he says, I want them to sleep for one more night with a mom. Oh, just gut-wrenching, tears. Came to my face. Second one. As they are walking behind Diana's uh, funeral procession in London, Prince William asks Prince Philip, his grandfather, the husband of Elizabeth, None of I'm paraphrasing here, but none of these people know Princess Diana. Why are they crying? And Prince Philip says... They're not crying for her. They're crying for you. Maybe it's being a dad that makes me such a softie. The kids without a mom, I lost it. I lost it. I started to cry. But I, I, I'm honest with you about everything. If you can no longer trust me, because I cried during Season 6 of The Crown when Princess Die. Died, and there was the result of the death, and the impact on the young kids. I understand. I'm not going to judge you if you can no longer trust me. And I thought I would read some of the funniest parts of this. Um, and it is very, very funny. A lot of you reacted, and I wanted to give credit to some of the comments that I saw. Uh, Cozy Golfer, in response to me admitting that I cried during the crown, said, weird way to endorse Joe Biden. Uh, Annette said, I think it's okay, really. I mean, what happened was such a tragedy, and when you look back on it, the emotions started to build, and nah, you're just gay now. I would say, not that there's anything wrong with it, a lot of funny um, uh, comments uh annette really funny in the comments i said come on i have a soul and annette responded and a vagina apparently too um and here are some of the other uh the other comments that i thought were really good howard stern has taken over clay's account um which is very well said Somebody said I should have been watching college basketball instead, which I certainly can. Uh, I was accused of being the Alabama fish tank swimmer, which went viral. This almost requires an unfollow and a block. Uh, It's all right. Sometimes we have feelings, and there's a deep drive into left field by Castellanos. That is very funny for those of you who don't remember that. You know who else cried when he watched The Crown? Keith Olbermann. Check yourself, Mr. Travis. That one definitely struck somebody get this guy the number for the testosterone treatment center um this is uh this is you've been hacked obviously i never i thought i'd see the day when clay travis would be forced to turn in his mad uh, man card these are sad times indeed you'll be organizing fossil fuel protest and dyeing your hair blue before the end of the month sometimes be a pussy that's a good one accurate ball check It's cool. We accept that kind of thing here in California. I assume you'll be moving out here soon, right? You're practically a LeBron fan now. Uh, So all of these, very, very good. uh, Please just don't block the road on my way to work with your protest tomorrow. That's very good. I said soon I'll be wearing a mask and driving by myself in the car. I understand if you cannot... Trust me. Uh, Our ancestors fought two wars, so you wouldn't do this. Uh, So lots of very good responses. You can go read all of those, and uh, I think you will enjoy reading those as well. Uh, All right. Um, I love all of you. I'm going to go gamble on sports now to prove that I still have a penis and balls, Um, And that will happen next with Kelly Stewart. Uh, But I appreciate all of you, as always, DBAP. But remember, sometimes you got to watch the crown and just be a pussy. I'll see you guys tomorrow.